I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Four W's of Discipleship at Vertical Church. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Worship Christ, A Life of Absolute and Unashamed Adoration. person in this room who either loves Jesus or not is on a worship journey. Now before you come to follow Jesus Christ by faith, it's not like you're not worshiping. You're just worshiping someone different. You're worshiping you. You're worshiping a sports figure or, or, or an artist or, or someone. You're, you're all, we are, we are creatures of worship through and through. The question is what we're worshiping and what's on the throne. Now the worship journey begins here, but then scripture says in Romans, I'll just read this verse to you, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to ask for his forgiveness of our sins, to follow him as our Lord and Savior, to be saved as we would say, it's justified, it's a legal term. We are no longer separated from God, we are justified We are in Christ. We are saved through all eternity. But then on the other end, I'm going to go two steps out. On the other end of that is what we call glorification. That's when one of us dies and goes into eternity as a follower of Jesus. It means to be in his presence. It means to enjoy him forever. It means that at some point when Christ returns, we will be given a new body and far greater experience than even we can fathom. But in between justification and glorification, uh, we have this time in our lives that seems somewhat like being stuck in a dark forest in a swampy area called sanctification. Okay, so worship journey, not saved, justified, right with God, glorified in his presence, the presence of sin gone forever, the penalty of sin gone forever. But what about this time here where the process of, of sin is being removed and I, I go through this journey and it feels dark. If you're in that place today, I just want to call you to worship Jesus again because here's what Philippians 1.6 says. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you right there will bring it to completion. And your act of worship today is to say, God, I don't feel much like a Christian. I feel like I yelled at my husband this morning. I feel like I, feel like I can't stand my parents. I feel like I'm, I'm ensnared by this sin or that sin. And I don't even feel like I, could even, I couldn't even worship. I would be just like that woman in the story. I'm the sinner, but I'm saved. And the call of that text to you today is to run to Jesus. Let your tears, let your adoration be toward him alone. And let him do the work in your heart. Adoration, it matters. Now, if you're wondering what will intensify your adoration, uh, here's my call to you to reflect on your worship journey. Sometimes we get lost in the dark forest of sanctification and it's swampy and it's messy and life's messy and, and sometimes we need to pull back and say, no, 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 the God that saved me is leading me home. He's with me and lean into Jesus. I want to just say for a minute, I think before we leave this text, there's something we need to see, really badly need to see. Some of us, I just preached, 
Some of us are the woman. Some of us are Simon. Simon in this text is described as inviting Jesus over. It's not like he's hostile toward Jesus. He's indifferent. And more importantly than that, he is filled with self-righteousness. He acknowledges that the woman is a sinner, but doesn't see his own need for Jesus, his own sinner-ness. Let me just say this. When you're thinking about your adoration of Jesus Christ, pride is acid to adoration. Pride, self-righteousness. I'm better than, I'm not like so-and-so. That's acid. You need Jesus just as much as any other person. And until you see your need for Jesus, your worship will always be indifferent or distant or superficial because you don't see what Jesus has done for you. Not the person sitting next to you. Not the person you're thinking of somewhere else. We all know about artificial additives. Nobody wants it in their Nobody wants it in their food. Jesus doesn't want it in our adoration. Sometimes we get amped up about style. The music was too loud or too soft, or I like the songs like this or like that, and we, that's singing style. Then I like a certain style of preaching that leads me to a certain kind of worship, and I have all these styles that get me distracted and off of Jesus. Or sometimes it's self. I'm worshiping here and I'm going to lean just for a second in, in a couple minutes into physical worship. But here, here's the thing. When we're worshiping Jesus here together, some of us are too self-conscious. Well, I don't, what are people thinking about me? Or, or some of us are like, put on a show, baby. Let them know. Okay? And, and the truth is somewhere in between. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And whatever Jesus is doing in your heart, that's, that's worship. Or sometimes there's, and I'll just tell you this, some of us lean towards self-righteousness. You know, I'm, I was 98% saved, and then Jesus got me over the top. You want to talk about that theologically for a little while? Okay, you were on the zero yard line in the other end zone. Jesus 100% of your salvation. Now, some of us go to the other ditch. And we go, oh, oh no, no. You know, Jesus couldn't love me. I, and, and you self-loathe as though somehow there's something. These are both anti-gospel perspectives. Jesus, I don't need Jesus much. Jesus can't save me. It's the woman in the, it's the, woman in the story that, embra- that says, forget both, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Now maybe you're thinking adoration singing, worship, are you talking, pastor, that I should be singing louder, or what am I supposed to do? Give me some practical things here. Again, it's not, it's not any, about any particular thing you do. It's about the heart behind showing absolute and unashamed adoration to Jesus Christ. I want to look quickly, practically. I want to go practical here. I want to look at four places, four places in your life that you worship. And again, we're talking about growing in our worship. You're like, well, I'm not there. You're not supposed to be there. We grow, we grow in our adoration all the way to the time where we're going to do it in Jesus' presence, physical presence. Let's look at these really quickly. If you have your Bible, you want to turn there, you're going to have to turn fast. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 
describing the early church and what was going on as the church was growing and God was clearly working. In chapter 2, verse 46, it says, And day to day, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, these are the first two places I'll put them up here on the screen. Large community worship and small community worship. I'm not going to talk so much about small community worship. We're going to bring that up under Walk with Christ in a few weeks here as we talk about that. Let's talk about large community worship. You think about how the people in the New Testament, they were meeting in homes. They were meeting in homes. That's like grace group, what happens during the week. We, we don't want to overburden you with so many things. You, we don't want you at church every night. We want you with your family. We want you reaching your neighbors. But two nights a week, one, in houses, breaking bread, doing life together, getting to know people. But, but, but that's not the one I'm going to talk about here. What about the temple? See, large worship, weekend worship was a thing. They had it in the synagogues. They had it in the temple. And that transferred to what we are literally doing today. Now, how, what are we supposed to think about that? I want to give you four boosters to large community worship. Just a couple things you can think about. Again, no artificial additives. Hey, hey look up here. here here's, here's my philosophy of food. If I'm reading the ingredients on something at the store and I can't pronounce the word, I probably don't want to be eating it, right? So out with the additives, let's look at four, four things. First, priority, participation, preparation, and physical worship. I'll start with priority. One of the things you'll hear us say in our services from time to time, we're going to now continue worship with a song. We're going to continue worship in prayer. We're going to continue worship by going to the word, All that we do together is worship, including really everything that goes on outside of this place too, but especially as we're thinking about large community worship. Now, question for you. Do you know why we meet on Sundays? Anybody know why we meet on Sundays? I mean, the Jews, Orthodox Jews, would not miss a Saturday to save their lives in the Ten Commandments. Do you know why we worship on Sundays? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, I did a little math. Some of you are better mathematicians than me, but right now, we have an ongoing count of roughly 104,017 Sundays celebrating since the original celebration of the resurrection. This is why we get together every weekend. It's important. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. Now, math aside... Celebrating the resurrection every week is a vital aspect of worshiping Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you are like, well, you know, I, I know, I know I should, I know it's important to. 
I know I should be with other believers singing uh, songs. I know that Hebrews talks about how it's so important for us to gather together, uh, not being like some who, who just randomly attend church or randomly come to large worship. It, I, no, no, no. Hebrews says you need to do this. You need to be in worship, large group worship every week. Now, I want to, how many of you want me to speak the truth right now? Worship and discipleship are the same thing. They go together. I'm just going to speak the truth. I'm not looking at anyone. I don't want you to be thinking that, but some people in this room and some people that aren't here today prioritize, we're talking about the priority of large community worship, they prioritize worship probably once every month. And there are some people on the the two-a-month plan. There's some people that are on the three-a-month plan. It matters to your discipleship. Okay, we're like, well, you're the pastor. You should be telling everybody to come to church. Yes, because I want you to have unashamed adoration overflowing in your heart. Well, I, like sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to church. I've had a long week. Let me give you two reasons why you want to make worship a priority. The first one is it's about discipling yourself. Worship as a priority. What if I just miss one Sunday of worship? It's not that big of a deal. I had a long, I had a, I had a long week at work. It was a late game last night. Well, think about it this way. What if you missed Easter? And your buddies or your friends turn to you and go, dude, where were you on Easter Sunday? Are you even a Christian? Like, that's how we would think of somebody. If you don't, listen, we know who's in our church by who comes to church on Easter because everybody, we all know, Easter's the big time of the year. That is the day where Jesus takes attendance at church. Can I just say something in your discipleship journey? Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday celebration. I'm gonna go a level deeper. It's not just about discipling your own heart. It's about discipling others. Let me just give you a little bit of Parenting in Christ 101. Parents, do now in your attendance at large community worship what you want your child to do in college because they almost certainly will. If you come to church on the two-a-month plan, don't be surprised when they go to college and they do the two or might downgrade to the one-a-month plan. I'm talking right out of my own life right now. My child just went to college last week, last month. I was very concerned. I started looking up churches. I even made a call to try to find out what I could about churches. And I'm paying attention to this. I want my son in worship. I want his adoration for Jesus. He's been on this stage. I want his adoration to be growing while he's away from home. But I'm finding out whether he's owning it right now. And so are every one of you who have children. Now, I don't mean to be condemning. If you're in a hard place with your kids, it doesn't guarantee that your kids love Jesus, but I can guarantee you it will influence their love for Jesus. I realize that Sunday mornings in our culture, especially as it grows farther away from Jesus, I hope that trend changes in the future, but on the trajectory we are on right now, 
our culture does a lot of things on Sunday morning because technically it's a pretty easy time available. It's away from work. It's away from other things. And sometimes we get tired. We have activities. We have sports. We have dance. We have family and friends. We have parties that happen at the same time when the church typically worships Jesus. Now hear me carefully. I don't want you to be legalistic. Okay? I'm not legalistic. Okay? You're not getting a check mark. There's occasionally a time to take your kids to something else, or maybe there's a group you're trying to reach with the gospel, and they have, don't, I'm not getting legalistic. But hear me carefully. When you try to teach your kids how to get a good education because that matters, are you content with them going to school once a week? Or twice a week? Or three times a week? No, you want your butt there every single time that the doors are open. Unless you're really sick. You're teaching your kids, you're discipling your kids in the priority of education. Same is true with sports, other activities. I disciple my kids in that. I want my kids to be engaged in sports and I want them to be good at it. I want them there every time they're supposed to be there. But here's why this matters. This is my fear for some of you. You're discipling your kids in idolatry. That's what you're really doing. Because if you make worship twice a month, or even three times a month, or once a month, if you begin to have attendance like this, what you're discipling your kids in is sports, or activities, or family, or I'm just tired of my own comfort, is more important than worshiping Jesus Christ. You're discipling your kids. Whatever you're showing them, again, not being legalistic about it, you're discipling them to a pattern of responding to Jesus. And trust me, it plays out that way. Again, I don't want to be hurtful. I know my heart breaks with some of you who have had children. Listen, everything is going away. All the kids' activities, all the kids' family thing, all those things, even your kids are going away. At some point, as mine just did. But what, do you, what is the takeaway you want your kids to take with them when they go away? There's a reason why God made weekly worship a part of the Ten Commandments. Because he knew it would be discipling his people and what they would do in worship. Let me jump to a few more quickly. Priority is probably the most important one that I see as a shepherd in the Lord. But here's another one, participation. Some of you come to church and you're like, well, I feel kind of uncomfortable. Like, and, 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 and like, you know, but my voice isn't very good. And if, if it's a singing time of worship, I, I, I just, I feel awkward because I don't want people to. I've had one of those experiences this couple weeks ago, just over a week ago, I did a funeral. And I did the committal service for one of our elders and um, it was a beautiful service. We had it planned out, and right in the middle, we were going to sing Amazing Grace, and John Bauer uh, got his violin out, and he was prepared to play, and it was, it was a really special moment. And so as I finished the first half of the verses reflecting on where Mark is and, and releasing his body to the Lord, um, we began to sing Amazing Grace. John, I nodded to John. He began to he start playing on the violin, and that moment came in, and I just kind of mentally stepped back and just going to kind of focus for a moment. And um, about halfway through the first verse, no one was singing. And it dawned on me, they're all looking at you. You are now the worship leader. 
I'm not a worship leader. I can't sing. And in that moment, my voice was already cracking, and I just came to realize, and so I had the same moment some of you do. Is it about my voice? Is it about how I sing? Or is it about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, so who cares how you sing? And I did the best job I could in my first worship. There's a reason why Matt, Matt is, he has great job security. Uh, I'm not a worship leader. In fact, praise God for Sally and her family, which were so gracious. Um, it's not about how amazing you are as a singer, or as a prayer, or as a Bible reader, or whatever you are. It's about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. That's what adoration is about. Do you jump in? Number three, participation. Then preparation. One of the things that I try to do with Jensen, and I've tried to do this my entire ministry, is to always never get up and preach when we were in a bad place. Now, it might shock some of you to know this, but we occasionally disagree about things. And occasionally we even have, you know, fights. Fights, that's what we have. We have fights, okay? And when we have fights, I don't want to get up here and try to serve the Lord and serve you from a heart that isn't faithful to my wife. And one of the things we've done, and I so appreciate her grace with me in a number of times where we've said we can't even talk out this disagreement, but we're in a good place. We get, I'm sorry for my tone. We'll solve this later. That's preparation for worship. I remember before I was a pastor, I'd be driving to a church uh, when we were, I was going to seminary. I wasn't on staff, nothing. I was working at UPS. And I remember driving, and I'd just begin to pray as we were driving, God, I need a message from you today. God, let my heart be filled with humility so when that preacher gets up there and preaches, it's, it's landing in my heart. Listen, if you're in a bad place, you're like, hey, you know, I sometimes I'm coming turn around and go home. Nope. If you're in a bad place, you're coming to the right place. Because this is where God is going to meet you. But we can prepare our hearts. Here's the last P, physical worship. Physical worship is about my eyes. Am I lifting my eyes or closing my eyes? Are my eyes open, raising my hands to the Lord? Listen, when, my, when I raise my hands to the Lord, it's like, that's kind of weird. I go in this room and these people have their hands in the air. Well, well, think of it this way. It is when my child, when I come home and a young child comes up and goes, Daddy! That's the heart behind raising my hands. Or what else does it mean when I raise my hands? The universal symbol of? Surrender. God, I surrender. My heart is hard toward you. I've been running from you, but I surrender. That's awesome. Be authentic. Don't be a distraction. If you're a soft person, soft, quiet person, you be who you are in the presence of God. Let me look quickly at two last forms of worship. Again, we'll talk about small community worship in a few weeks. Private worship. That's worship at home where I open my Bible, where I pray, where I ask the Holy Spirit to convict me and fill me and lead me. You can read Psalm 143, which lays out what David was doing when he was in private worship, private worship with your family, private worship in the morning with you and a good cup of coffee, and then personal worship, personal worship. I want to end on a passage from Romans. When we think about worship, this really sums it all up. In fact, the entire message, after, after Paul had written a treatise 
on worship. He said in chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now think about this in your mind for a minute. The sacrificial system where they would take a lamb or they would take uh, different animals and put them in the fire as an expression of worship to God or covering for sin or different things that they were doing in worship. And, And Paul goes, no, 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 no. In the New Testament, in the church era, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. That's done. But here's the new sacrifice. You get up and put yourself and you become a living sacrifice to God. Somebody who's, here's the thing. If you're a sacrifice, think about an animal. You're either all on the altar or you're not. There's no such thing as partial sacrifices. And what the gospel is calling us to is such adoration of God in Christ, such worship toward Jesus Christ that I put all of me on the altar and say, but I want this and this is important to me. But Jesus says, so all of me on the altar. Now, some of you are having a, that's your worship word to you today. God's putting his finger on something in your life and you have to choose. Am I going to be on the altar Or am I going to keep crawling off the altar and doing it my way? Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Ahrens, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.